So, my ADHD flared up, and I was like, I'm just going to play another game of The Ground Gives Way right now. And I just got, I just cut myself on a piece of glass and died. Didn't do the trash. That's awesome. That's such bullshit. You shouldn't have been running around with one health. It only does one damage, man. Well, I was also diseased, so I couldn't gain life by resting. Oh, well, don't be that then. (laughs) Well, I, I checked a trap that I wasn't going to, because you guys were suggesting that. This week we played The Ground Gives Away, which I wanted to say The Gardens Between. No, no, no. The Ground Gives Way, which is a very strange uh, graphical, sort of ASCII graphics uh, roguelike. So if you don't know what any of that means, go Google it and see a picture because you're going to need that. You will not possibly fathom what this game is if you're not familiar with ASCII graphics. It's super weird. It's like made in a programming console. Um, but you wouldn't know that we played it based on the call today because... Um, so he wasn't here, and as a result, we just sort of sat there in our discard call and hung out for like an hour, and we never really started recording, we never really stopped, and so it's just a meandering, moseying conversation, and if you don't like that sort of thing, you've been warned, get out now. It's not It's not going to get better, it's not going to be structured, it's not going to be whatever. Um, this was just what it was, and it was fun, and um, I hope you like it. If not, tune in next week. Um, Actually, she's not going to be here next week. Hmm. You may want to skip another week. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, I'm just going to let it play. Now recording. Oh, yeah. Get, so get Craig in here. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I'm, the worst, I'm the worst Craig, like, leader. Craig. Do you Craig's going to hear my flaws. Stuff? Um, I use it as a backup. I haven't had to use it yet. Okay. But I like to have it. Yeah, it's probably a good call. Especially because, like, he actually records individual tracks from people so like if one of us lost their audio even for a second or whatever i can still salvage it so it's cool yeah yeah now recording Jeez, every time <laughs> it's, it's so menacing uh, i love it you should put you should totally at some point just have uh like capture that sound bite and just edit it in at random now recording so our users can be as freaked out as we are all the time. Actually, that probably <laughs> is a good idea to like put that in. Yeah. Like right over sure. when he does it. Yeah. Is that copyright? I don't know. Maybe that's not legal. I don't know who, how Craig works. They're like, if you get above 10 downloads, we're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of one thing, like a little housekeeping thing, but um, the Gardens Between episode, there's a, a new version of that, not the audio loudness test in there that's like just titled the Gardens Between. And that so far is my best attempt to actually mix us together in a listenable podcast way. So if you want to just hear like kind of like the cutting edge of what we sound like right now through my fucking barely passable mixing skills. Um, that's where it is at. Cool. Yeah. I technically subscribe to the podcast, but I, I have not actually listened to any of them at all. But as long as, you know, as long as you're subscribed, right? Just get our numbers higher, right? Yeah. Li- please like, yeah, comment, exactly. subscribe. Um. <laughs> Dude, it's the word. I love when Don't they forget ask our Patreon. Fucking- Oh, oh. It, just, <laughs> it just bothers me when people ask questions that they know no one gives a fuck about and no one's going to answer like you know what i mean mm-hmm. like where they're like yeah for this like, like a tutorial is a great example like i'm gonna show you how to use uh whatever video editor and then it's just like 
what video editor do you use? I'm like, you don't give a fuck. Why do you ask that to people? <laughs> What's your favorite fuck? thing? Comment in the section below. God. <laughs> if you guys, yeah, if you guys could talk. What's your I favorite stop. loot crate? <laughs> what is your favorite gambling video game? What's your favorite yeah. YouTube channel to comment on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please comment on your favorite YouTube channel. Yeah, that's just, oh. Ugh. What's your favorite lollipop flavor? What's your favorite social security number? <laughs> that is mine is the guy from uh lifelock who put his on the side of vans yeah but he like started the company and was so proud of his uh achievement that he thought that he could put his own social security number out there and he would be safe and then like 30 people stole his identity <laughs> that's awful <laughs> that's just awful but also I don't know. It's just, I feel like the world is just a stronger force than any, any effort. You cannot challenge yeah. it. You right. know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, it's like yeah. nature. Hack, hackers, hackers of all types are, are winning. It's like, as in, um, offense is way, way easier than defense in, in most aspects of information security. So like, yeah. basically your best hope is to be a harder target than others or a less valuable target per unit effort. Spend. Yeah, my my secret to success is being broke. Same life hack. Have no money. <laughs> yeah, what can they steal if there's nothing to steal? Right. It's like you that, have nothing left meme. to lose. You win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that meme where the guy's like pointing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stolen lyrics from a Sonic the Hedgehog song. Yeah. Wow. You know, respect. Honestly, look, those <laughs> games have good music. If if nothing else, and yeah. and by that I mean they have nothing else. <laughs> we should Damn. play them sometime yeah oh i should make God. you guys play sonic generations god what a clusterfuck anyway um anyway want to Just talk about things yeah we'll probably cut all this out but you know <laughs> dude it's funny the other day i was like yeah you should uh there was a time when james said um and then had to think and no one saved him so we should cut that out and i'm like uh... nah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just like, okay, yeah, you go in there and do that shit. Like, I don't know. I don't want to fucking do that. Yeah, I'm not going to find that instance when James fucked up. Like, <laughs> Well, it was, it was like a combination of, like, James having to think, which is a normal human tendency, and then us just being like, we're going to let you think. Which is a very good, reasonable thing for conversationalists to do. Totally. It pisses no, there me was off like, when people don't let you talk. Sorry, I interrupted you to say that. Isn't that hilarious? No, but I interrupted you as well. So it's just sort of like this awkward, yeah, I don't know, man. It's so sad. Like, so I was like going over some like feedback that, that Zoe had for the podcast and I just kept being like doing all the things that I fucking do wrong all the time. So she'd be like, here's a point. And I like right in the middle, I'd be like, yeah, I totally agree. And she'd be like, you're doing the thing. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it. No, I totally shouldn't interject with uh, approval and, uh, you know, other such things. <laughs> hey, McCoy, why haven't you changed your entire way of being over the course of the last week? Why Why are you so bad at changing your entire, like, the thing you've been doing all of your life? Why haven't you changed it yet? I don't know, yeah. man. It's tough. Yeah, McCoy, why are you you? And, and can <laughs> and you stop? Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. You are just, it's all bad for radio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything about who you are is wrong. Yeah. Well, you could be whoever you want to be. 
and yet you chose you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's like, that is actually like a studied effect of like what, of like choice. Like, have you ever, you guys ever heard about that? There's like a Ted talk where they talk about how grocery stores and stuff like that. Like you would think they would make you happier because there's a hundred different types of salad dressings. Right. So you would think you would be happier because you could choose the best one, one that you love so much that you would never have another salad dressing. And yet, because of that expectation, when you go and get one that's just good, you're disappointed because you there's you know there's a better one there, but you just didn't find it. So it's like that, you know. Yeah, I've I've heard of that, and that um like buying jeans, there's like one for every size, but yes, nobody yes, is. it's that TED talk. Yes, <clears throat> I think I think you had me watch that TED talk in college, Sounds and it about was right. dope. God, what a I McCoy just, like, thing the, to do. I know. <laughs> I've had people watch a couple of things in my day. Like uh, that fucking YouTube video where he like talks about uh, Star Wars movies, the prequels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Red Letter Media. Yeah, that's just good. That's high quality, man. It like, hasn't oh, aged super well, but it's no. like some of his bits are a little weird. But at the same yeah. time... And after the Me Too movement, it's kind of inappropriate. But I mean, one very well could argue that it was inappropriate before and people it just was. weren't calling people out on it. No, it was inappropriate before. But the problem is that I still yeah. think that it's funny. That's the problem. <laughs> I like I hold both mindsets at the same time. I'm like, that is fucking wrong. And also I laughed. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> I have to hold these two within me. Yeah, comedy is super weird that way because like, so you can have something that's like a well-constructed, theoretically good joke that is bad and mean. And it can be both things. It can like prompt laughter and still be something that like, like, I don't know, if if you get into like Holocaust jokes or like rape jokes and stuff, it's like, you can have one of those that is well-constructed from like a humor theory standpoint, and you should super never do those anyways, yeah. because nope. there's more to it. But you can still, in a certain sense, appreciate like the 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 subversion of expectations right the bait and switch of course um it's it's weird and i think a lot of people are prone to not being willing to extract the good and the bad from each other because i mean yes yo i feel that and i also thought of a transition into the game of the week (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's go i guess we should do that huh as a whole package a game can be awesome, but ASCII graphics make me like it worse. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> okay, let's get into let's get into introductions, bros. Let's get into it. Now recording. Um, Adam, you want to start yet? Yeah, because we're doing Discord order there. Yeah, well, you already gave my name away, jerk. Uh, yeah, so I'm Adam Stafford. It was a secret um, until now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, I'm Adam Stafford. Uh, I tend to lean towards more mechanical or, or kind of just wacky, odd games. Um, I'm, I'm the indie nerd here. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm McCoy. Uh, I've used to be a generalist sort of gamer type person, and uh, then I found multiplayer games, and I slowly but surely just started to play them all the time and wonder where all this time went. Um, so I'm taking this opportunity to enjoy more small narrative experiences and other weird things that I just wouldn't normally play. Instead, I would just play Counter-Strike over and over again. Um, so yeah, 
that's where I'm here for. I'm James. I'm a, I'm more of a generalist gamer still. I like playing almost all types of games, and I'm really excited to work them into my schedule and have a good reason to play video games. Oh, uh, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. My name is Gabe, and I too like James and more of a general gamer, and uh, I like playing a vast variety of things and seeing if I like them or not. <laughs> so you, you chuckle a little bit, and I'm going to introduce our game, and you can tell me why there's not there, uh, why, why, why you didn't like this game. Um, wow, that's an assumption. It is. <laughs> Is Bold of you to assume. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the game I chose. Oh, as a note, um, our, our fifth member Zoe is not here today. Um, she's out and will be out next week as well. Um, and so and we're using this opportunity that because we talked about nonsense for like thirty. Yeah. Minutes before we this, and I'll leave it in. So deal with that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's like it's like the. Uh, what, it's like your mom isn't home or something, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, dude, let's eat cake for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the outline. Um, That's and then all the listeners life. are going to leave. But hey, whatever. Leaving home. Um, yes, so uh, the game that I picked um, was a game called The Ground Gives Way, uh, which is kind of a simplification on the roguelike genre. Um, so it's a more modern roguelike, um, and it tries to cut away a lot of the extra garbage that... Um, some of the older roguelikes, like NetHack, um, like the old classics have. Um, I don't know how many of you people have actually played classic roguelikes or roguelikes at all, really. Um, but this is a roguelike that I thought would be easy to do, jump into. And the reason I picked it was because it has no graphics and no narrative. Um, and I felt that we've been talking a lot about graphics and narrative prior to this, and I wanted to challenge you guys. All right. Yeah. Definitely. And I think this is going to be a great grounds for the discussion of do graphics matter, do narrative matter, and and where is their place? So I just want to, at the outset, say that this was the quintessential Adam game to me. I was playing this and I was like, yeah, I can feel Adam through the goddamn screen. (laughs) I I thought he made it. Yeah, he, he might as well have. I feel that. Yeah, I so... I just want to pose like the just just like on that right. Let's just get it. Like I want to pose the question: like, what do graphics mean to people? Like I'm curious. Like when they played this game, did you sit there and go, "I wish there were graphics," or like what 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 role did that did that play? I mean, it's just it's so clearly the opposite of a graphically, you know, beautiful modeled game. What do you, what do you guys think? So um, I've played some some of these older kind of ASCII games before. Like Dwarf Fortress is even less parsable than this. Um, and I don't tend to have that much trouble with them anymore. Like, it's still nice. Sometimes there are, are roguelikes that have graphics. They're still tile-based, but you have little sprites for individual things instead of just using little characters. Um, it didn't really bother me, uh, because in this game you're looking at everything because everything is new anyways. Um, maybe it wouldn't be if I played more of it, but... Um, it didn't bother me because this is a game that very clearly is a systems game. Um, the story is an excuse. Literally, it's you fell down a pit and you know you need to get to the bottom to get the artifact that will presumably bring you back to the surface. That's the story. Yep. Um, and, like, from a development perspective, this game may never have been made if, if there were expectations about graphics around it. Because a lot of, like, graphics is a, sorry, art, the art of a game is a very different skill set from um, the programming of a game. 
So if someone doesn't have both of those and doesn't have people they can rely on to help them with it and they don't want to use like in a freely available package or something like that uh, and go through all the handle the hassle of setting that up, um, a game, it, it's great to see a game like this because it wouldn't have been made without, without ASCII graphics necessarily. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I look at this and I think like, can you guys see from a game like this the clear bias there is towards graphics just in the general gaming community? And I don't mean that like in a negative sense, like we ought to correct this. I mean, I think this is human nature. I think we are visual creatures. But it's like we would play, like I personally, and I think many others, would play the Gardens Between simply because the graphics look nice and that was a selling point. But I don't think you can communicate systems in the same way from a trailer or something like that or screenshots of the game. And so I don't think I ever would have played this game based on the systems. You know what I mean? I never would have, in the same way that I would have picked it for the graphics, I never would have picked a game for the systems. Yeah, Do you guys feel what, that? What's a trailer look like for this game? <laughs> There's a trailer? No. Right. And there shouldn't be. <laughs> because what the fuck would that even be? Right. Yeah, it would be like... Oh, yeah, there's an ampersand moving around the screen. Uh, it's I mean, free almost by a better it. trailer would be just a, just a person <laughs> sitting at a computer just, like, kind of thinking and then slowly tapping out a few keys and then thinking some <laughs> yeah. more. And then tapping a few keys fast. And be <laughs> yeah. like, Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I died! Like, that yeah. gives you... That gives exactly. A, that gives the casual viewer more of an idea about what this game is than like actual gameplay yeah. footage. I actually think we could make a fucking hardcore trailer for this game. <laughs> <laughs> like the ad symbol moving around, it's like this intense. Just zoom never in. show the screen. Like explosion gifts. Just like have the have the yeah, camera on the it. person's face the whole game and their hands. Yeah. So, okay, wait, so I, I'm, I'm going to pose this question to, to James and Gabe here, but like, as like, would you have ever played a game like this if it weren't for the game club? Like someone presents to you, even like Adam, a friend of yours presents it to you and says, this game's rad. Like, would you have ever played a game like this? Probably not. Um, though I do like the premise of these games, but I definitely would not have ever found out about this one specifically. I... But let's say I showed it to you. I brought it to you. I was like, dog, this game is legit. It's free. Check it out. Well, if it was you, McCoy, I would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. If McCoy showed me a game that had ASCII graphics, uh, I would be like, wait, what the fuck happened? Yeah, right. Are you like a body stealer? <laughs> <laughs> also, show me that game. It's free. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like the this assimilation is complete. Like you'll you'd finally unplug from the back of my brain, and you'd be like, I've downloaded enough. Going <laughs> uh, so back to the oh, oh, real sorry. quick. Nope. Fuck it. Yeah. Going back real quick to the point of graphics, though. Um, while I do prefer you know more traditional uh, graphics to a game, I think this would be really cool to have like you know a dungeon esque RPG kind of vibe to it um i do appreciate what they did with the uh the visualizations of like things in this game like when the guard dog wakes up and it just does like this kind of like spray almost of like altering text mm -hmm. as yeah. like the the dog kind of like barking and waking up i thought that was really cool and how they did yeah, this for sure so i have played net hack before which is like this game but more complicated uh and 
worse graphics. Um, yeah. Worse graphics. It can be worse. Because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't have the like the shouty particle effect type thing that you're talking about. Like it doesn't have and, any. Of that. And like the God. features thing. I'm actually. I have the game open and I'm looking at it right now. Uh, where it describes to you everything that's on the screen, that doesn't exist in NetHack. So you just you yes, just have okay. to figure it out yourself or open up a wiki. <clears throat> Sorry, that's... James, I'm just gonna quit. There. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I've actually I actually played NetHack for a while, like trying to figure out what was going on and how to play it, because uh, I had nothing else to do at that point in my life. Um, I wouldn't want to do that right now, to be honest. Uh, but anyways, um, so I, to answer your question, McCoy, like, yes, I would play a game like this uh, for myself, but I wouldn't, I, I don't enjoy them nearly as much as more graphically exciting uh, games. I prefer, yeah, and sorry, actually- yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that, like, I think that, like, even Adam in his high and mighty tower explained to us, and I think very <laughs> clearly, like, don't you see, guys, this game didn't bother me as much, or something like that was the word, the phrasing that you chose. Um, <laughs> and I think that just kind of, like, sums it up. Um, it's that it's, I, I don't know, I don't want to go to, like, to sum it up just yet, but it's, it's one of those things where this, to me, has a style, and it commits to that style a hundred percent, so much so that it's literally made in a terminal. So you, there's only so much you can do, and you gotta sort of appreciate that they went for it. But then, and so you can't just sit there and go like, "Well, yeah, I wish this one piece was like a three D graphic or something like that." But then you know you can also look at it holistically how it, the experience was for you. And I just feel like there are. You, you can totally see why adding graphics over a game like this would just add another dimension. Yeah. yeah. And I don't disagree with that. Um, like, it, it, the thing is that a lot of these games are um, made by one-person one teams. Um, they're made by people who are more, like, pro- program competent than than anything else kind of competent. Mm-hmm. Or, like, they're, they're more systems in programming competent than they are with art or music or anything like that, which is why they just don't do those things. Because it's a one-man team, and they're just doing it themselves. Um, And, uh... Oh, oh, wait, I'm doing the thing. Sorry, Adam. Oh, hey, there's an ambulance. Neat. Um... It's okay. The thing is okay. (laughs) Police finally found you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, exit the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta gotta go, guys. There's, um... (laughs) Uh, some people are asking after me, and I got to make sure that they don't find me. So, exactly. um, sorry, back to it's a one man team. Sure. Yes. Adam. Oh, I see. Yes, I thought you were oh, okay. I had, no, thought no, you no, had no. a point. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's like this game would not have been made if there were expectations around graphics, and there are actually a lot of roguelikes that do some really cool things with graphics. Um, NetHack has what's called a tiles mode now, um, where rather than just using straight up ASCII, they have, uh, you know, each tile in the game is represented by, you know, a dungeon floor sprite or like a, a player sprite or, or whatever. Um, there are a bunch of cool examples about doing it that way. Uh, there's a game now, it's, I think it's like a classified as a third generation roguelike or something called Caves of Cud. That's Q-U-D, Cud. 
um, that has sprites, but they're more like terminal ASCII type sprites, and they also do a whole lot with those like um, splashy particle effects that Gabe was mentioning. Um, like things will catch on fire and, and you'll be able to see like smoke and stuff like that coming out of, of where that is. Um, and there's like, everything has particle effects. Spells are particle effects. Uh, walking around through trash has little splashy particle effects. Um, enemies shocking you have like little lightning bolt particle effects coming out of you. Um, it's super well done. And there's even like sound where you're like crunching through snow and stuff like that. Um, but it's still like terminal adjacent. Uh, but it, that, those kinds of games, NetHack included, don't typically actually run in Windows PowerShell. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever this is running in. Right. I'm going to turn my phone off. <laughs> Clearly that. I, don't, I hope you guys heard that, you know? Just trying to add that. <clears throat> so not to take us away from the idea of, of the discussion about graphics necessarily, but kind of the reason why I picked this game was because there wouldn't be a whole lot to talk about. Maybe I neglected that uh, the absence is something that we can, and apparently did, um, talk about. But what did you guys think of the systems? Did you, anyone have any thoughts on, on how the actual game operates? Wait, I'm sorry. You picked this game because you thought there wasn't going to be much to talk about? Graphic-wise. Graphically speaking. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I thought you just meant in general. I was like, damn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think there's a lot to get into. Um, I I played this game maybe like an hour for about an hour before I I picked Mm. it. Um, I was impressed by the list of like what it was trying to do uh, and and how it had seemed to do some of those things. Um, I liked a lot of the simplifications they made on the roguelike formula. They cut away a lot of stuff that was pretty much unnecessary um, and just ended up getting in the way. But um, yeah, what did you guys think of this game systematically? So I um, have a very mixed on this on this game. Just and I think part of it is truthfully that I actually don't like the roguelike genre. I think kind of like period. Um, there are a couple of exceptions that I think go beyond it, like transcend it. Like I think Dead Cells transcends it. And I think I, I liked FDL a little, but then when it got a little bit roguelike I sort of got out. And to me, that's because there's so much like death and then like repeating like what you were already doing and then just trying to build up again and just like a lot of moving around. It's like so, so you kind of end up playing the beginning a lot if you're like me and you're not particularly good mm. and you die. Um, and so I find like 90% of the game is the beginning and I really don't like that. Um, just like in design, um, which I think is why like this is a sort of a, like a, why dead cells is so great is that it lets you skip the beginning in both doing speed run modes and eventually getting shortcuts and it lets you just continually get to newer stuff. So it kind of, it gives progression outside. Um, but roguelikes in their truest sense, like they don't do that. They don't give you that progression. And so you sort of just are endlessly cycling around the, the beginning, at least for me. And so that, that just as the outermost system, I think personally just doesn't gel with me. I'm curious what everyone else thinks, but that's my opinion. My opinion is get good scrub. No, not really at all. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm also in this in a very similar boat. I elected to basically just not play the tutorial at all, which is probably a bad plan. Like I, I, I knew some of the systems going in from NetHack in theory, um, which was 
you know, fundamentally accurate and, and it actually explains a lot of things along the way. But, um, I mean, I, I got kind of far once and then ran into a room where I instantly died. Uh, and that felt bad. I was like, oh, I'm getting all this equipment. Like I have 15 health and, and like magical sword and some crazy shit. Oh, oh, I died. I guess, I guess I went too fast. Did you find yourself disagreeing with the computer? Like it prints out like you died and you're like, no, it didn't. No, I, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of accepted that, that I, I guess I went too fast or something like that. Like, I don't know exactly what I did wrong. It might've just been, you know, a seed where you get a little bit farther before you die. You know, (laughs) like, I don't feel like every seed is winnable. Yeah, I kind of I I suspect that every seed probably is winnable because roguelikes actually have tend to have like this preposterously high like s- player skill level right. impact that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, like there's a lot of planning and tricks you can do, but in this game, um, it has this interesting kind of thing where all the equipment you get is cool, um, which yeah. I really like. Like, my first playthrough, the very first item I picked up was the Sword of Death, a, a rare magical sword that lets you what? cast spells. Um, and I was like, cool. And then I got, like, full plate. Uh, my second time through, I ended up just getting a levitating boots, like, very early. And, like, every piece of equipment, even more mundane equipment, is interesting in some way, shape, or form, which is really cool. Um, but part of the problem with it is, is that, uh, much to McCoy's point, I feel like the first, I want to say, like, five floors of the dungeon is, like, non-dungeon floors, and there aren't really hard enemies there. Um, you fight, like, rats and, like, and worms and, and stuff like that. And you just hope to get a weapon um, that deals and, damage. Yeah, and you just hope <laughs> yeah. to get, like, a viable set of equipment. And then it dumps you into the dungeon where things will hit you for three health a hit. Um, and, like, in, in this game, generally speaking, you can't really run away from things. At least I hadn't found a way to be able to do so. Um, yeah, you, you can, but they get opportunity attacks on you. I mean, you can leave their threatened area, but but then you can just keep walking away and you move one tile away and they move one tile towards you. Okay. You would yeah, need yeah, yeah. some piece of equipment that allows you to slow them down or, or a way to create distance so you can close a door if they, if they can't open doors. Um, and if you don't have that, like a lot of roguelikes give you the ability to have an escape um, or like opt into some manner of escape, um, which is like a really important thing to have in roguelikes. Um, because sometimes you enter a room and there's something that's too dangerous for you and you need to get away from it or, or like turn it off or something like that. Um, and if you just haven't been given the opportunity to have an escape, you just die. Um, and that's kind of like, well, okay. I spent half an hour running through the tutorial once again. (laughs) Um, not the tutorial tutorial, but like the, the five levels where you're just gathering equipment and not really being threatened. Uh, and then you fight like a skeleton with a gun and it's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, I, I totally, like I totally I agree think, with that. It's actually hilarious. No, I, uh, so I think that the stuff that it makes this game better than NetHack to me is like the fact that like you don't have to worry about cursed equipment. <clears throat> at least 
it seems <laughs> like for the most part you don't have to worry about cursed equipment um because you're not i mean i'm sure there is cursed equipment but um <clears throat> as you were saying adam like pretty much everything you get is cool um but <sighs> there's just this like arbitrary nature to the equipment that you ca can get um that feels like some seeds just like you just suck really bad when you say cursed equipment do you mean like i haven't identified this thing yet i'm just gonna put it on and then it kills you or something uh, like that yeah basically it, it's more complicated than that but that's the gist of it i mean it's okay. like you can't take it off and also it gives you penalties I see. So it's like the risk of not identifying yeah, it. Right, because exactly. That, I, I did think that that was a cool system in this game, and I'm, I'm sure it's not novel to this game, but just the concept of you see something, you don't immediately know what it is, you don't immediately know its entire scorecard, yeah. and you can spend some resource to check that out, or if you're in a bind, you can just put that right. shit on, and you hope that it helps. Yeah. Ex I thought that was kind of rad. Like I that That element to me added to a lot of the pleasant surprise of getting a cool thing that you'd never seen before. You're like, ah, oh, dude, I'm just going to put this thing on. This seems like it's good armor. And you're like, oh, rad. He just does that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I think the strongest system of this game, and I haven't seen this anywhere else before. It, it may exist elsewhere, but I haven't seen it. Um, just the, the um, resource system. So that's pretty much uh, you have food, which allows you to rest and recover all of your other stuff. Um, you have energy points, which allow you to, they, they do so much thing, so many things with energy yeah. points. Um, energy points are, are like your generic resource and you have to spend those to put on equipment, which is really cool. Um, rather than really taking like time or, or like, or even worse in a game like NetHack where it's like you see an enemy, um, so you just like close the door on it, swap all of your equipment out to like be the right type of thing to fight it and then open the door, kill it and then swap back all of your equipment back to where you were or whatever. Like maybe that doesn't exactly happen in that hack, but I think I've seen roguelikes where that kind of happens where you just swap all your equipment on the fly. Um, you can't do that in this game because equipping things costs energy. Um, and you only really get energy back from food or resting. Um, the MP and HP are fairly self-explanatory and they interact with that food system fairly well. Um, but there's also no auto-regen. Um, a thing that was common with most roguelikes is that you just sit in a room tapping the wait here button until your health comes back and your mana comes back and you're good to go and you enter the next room, kill everything inside, and then you do the same thing. And hope and, you don't get... they allow you to do that, but it's just you have to spend a, a food point for it. Right. Like, they, they just make it a yeah. resource. Yeah. It's a discrete which, resource, which means you can plan around it more effectively than in most games where it's like, hey, you're kind of getting hungry and you've got most of your health back. Like, you better go find like, some nah, meat. You spend a food point and you're fully recovered. Yes. So I will just make an admittance here that um, I did not realize it was a tutorial and that I just cannot fuck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I literally learned everything through trial and error in this game. And actually... That experience was, it was mixed, but it was, like, not bad. It was, like, mixed. Like, I actually think this game has a lot of wonder if you approach it from, not only do I not know what the items do, but I don't know what any of these resources do, and I don't know what <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> so, like, I hit escape to, like, save, and I'm like, oh, shit, there's a rest button in here. 
what the fuck does that do? So that's like, I'm not going to say like five runs were probably just me dying immediately because I just was out of health. And I was like, well, that's how it goes. Right. Um, I guess. So I was also the same way. I, I chose not to do the tutorial. Uh, I died like immediately in five runs and then I like discovered the rest button as well. So that it's kind of fun that we had the same, uh, like experience that way. Um, despite the fact that I've like played games like this before. (laughs) Honestly, I did the same thing. I did see there's a tutorial, but I I did know there was a tutorial. I saw that there was a tutorial, but I just dove in. I was like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, fuck the tutorial. Like who cares? Who reads the manual? Exactly. Exactly. I had fun doing it. Yeah. It's just like trial and error kind of. Yeah. Like fighting enemies and dying. And it's like the, it's like the dark souls of, uh, this style of game for me. <laughs> we, yeah. we need to have a tone, like a soundboard, where as soon as someone brings up Dark Souls, we can just like play an air horn or something, because that's going to happen every goddamn episode, and we know it. Like, <laughs> dude. But yeah. the thing is, I was actually in terms of this being the this of this uh, statement. I thought this was the D and D of video games, even though D and D itself is the D and D of video games but it's like with the anti-graphics on that this has and i would describe them as literally anti-graphics because it's it's not that the graphics are there or not there it's that you actually actively have to decipher what you see on screen to create the thing that you want it to be it's not just that they explain that there's a creature in this room it's like okay there is a r i need to remember that's a rat that's somewhat straightforward but then it's like there's a like weird symbol and I need to make sure that I know that that's actually this thing. Um, So you actually actively have to decipher it. Um, And I think that's sort of maybe where it it falls apart for me, at least who's not experienced with this stuff. But, but that being said, uh, this game leaves a lot to the imagination, which is kind of cool. Like I, it's been a long time since a game has been like, you picture it dog. Like, you know, those uh, written adventures, like way back in the day where they're like, yeah, you are enter a room and it's dark in here, bro. And you're like, wow, okay, close your eyes and think about it. But I do think this <laughs> game kind of does that a little where it's like you kind of have to picture it in your head and, and you can create graphics in a way that are that are cool. Like I, I once opened a door and there was just a massive cavern of just lit uh, bioluminescent or whatever fungus. And it was like, in my head, that was fucking awesome. And then I opened my eyes and I'm like, well, but, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like a, a moment like that would have really, really benefited from graphics. Like it could have just been a stunning experience. But um, it, it definitely was cool to like poke around and start to slowly learn stuff about the game and just imagine it all like, oh, that's a floating hand. Okay, okay. I'll imagine it as a floating hand. That's weird. What the <laughs> fuck is that here? <laughs> so you're actually super on point saying this is like the D D of video games because this game is clearly based on like net hack things right adam is that correct so yeah the systems so, are based on net hack a little bit of uh <clears throat> history around i don't know if the systems in this game are based on net hack i don't think i think a lot of the underlying systems are not because rather than having individual stats like 
uh, strength and magic power and agility and stuff like that. It actually just gives you all of the, like, the end numbers that you really actually truly care about up front. Right. Which I super liked, and we can come back to that point later. Um, but the original game was just a game called Rogue. Um, that's why these that's are all right. called roguelikes. And I guess we still haven't come up with a better term for it. Like, we fixed Doom-like and turned that into first-person shooter, which is also a garbage name for a genre, but whatever. Um, yeah, so Rogue was very simple. It was, I think it was just you had, like, equipment and health and mana. And you walked around and you hit monsters in these super simple auto-generated, uh, like, dungeon tiles set type places until you found a Yeti, and the Yeti would kill you because you died of hypothermia about 10% of the times it hit you. Um, Jesus Christ. I mean, that that was my experience playing, like, a web version of Rogue. Like, Rogue was the original. It was released in, like, 19... Like, freaking 72 or something like that. It was released a long time ago. Um, and since then, there have been a lot of iterations on the roguelike genre. Um, NetHack, uh, Angband, and I think a- Ancient Domains of Mystery are all like um, various takes on this. They're like second generation roguelikes or something like that. Um, we now have third right. generation roguelikes like Cogmind and Caves of Cud, which are they they tend to have more graphics and they incorporate sound um, and the systems have been simplified somewhat, not usually a ton, but they, they pay more attention to systems and don't just copy um, a lot of old things. But yes, a lot of the old roguelikes just used D&D style numbers and a lot of the same like scale. I think Rogue might actually have just run all of its number systems through the D20 system. Yeah, because I, I know that um, NetHack was actually basically just a Dungeons and Dragons second edition simulator. Um, so there's That's that. It's amazing once you learn D&D. So I, I came from video games to D&D afterwards. Yeah. And so then I sit there and I go, well, this is just a standard game. But then when you realize like standard games are kind of based off of D&D and it's kind of the opposite, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a mind-blowing revelation. Um, <laughs> Like but the, I, uh, the yeah, quantified effect, I magic is just straight out of Dungeons and Dragons. A lot of stuff is like having having mana points. Really, I don't period. Think mana wasn't a D and D thing. Mana so. isn't a D and D thing, but like the concept of having mana points is from the idea that you can quantify magical power, which is straight out of D and D. Because before it was was things like, I mean. Like Tolkien, like just magic was weird. How, how much mana and do you think Gandalf has? Just kind of worked, right? That's the thing. It's like you can't, and, can't say that. Like, in, and in he lo- didn't have like a spells per day that he can cast. In a lot of way, I actually like you. Clearly, can't really use that to make games because if it's weird, uh, you can't program weirdness very effectively. Even games that are procedurally generated and try to do that to some degree. You get, um, I, I, there's a term for it and I've forgotten it, but basically fatigue about seeing the same auto-generated, um, structures over and over again. And you start to just recognize the patterns rather than the specifics. Um, but magic from a thematic standpoint works a lot better if it's fantastic and fantastic things kind of by necessity. It's not that they don't have rules. It's that they are a little bit loose with the rules. Like, magic narratively works fairly well in Harry Potter because it's not, like, the, the Vancean magic system that you see in um, uh, or, uh, D&D, 
or like the magic in Tolkien is very much just, oh, the power of the stars has some nebulous effect on, on this and that, the other thing. And then when it becomes important, it's like, oh yeah, you know, Shelob hates this magic because elf magic or whatever. Um, but you can't make games out of that kind of fantastic right. version of magic. Yeah, I feel like you always want magic to be like more powerful than games can really like portray. Like there's something about like the the example I would always think for that is uh the Force Unleashed that like or even before that, which is a, it's a Star Wars game where you play as like a Jedi. Um shocking. I know. Um <laughs> and also uh Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast and and those types of games but what was cool about them is that they started to incorporate like physics you could like push things you could like you know do a force push and there's something about that way that magic was just impacting the world in those games that was pretty like powerful that's like that's what you'd want like i feel like if you said like okay go make magic feel really cool it's like you need a way to send a fireball down a corridor and have it just melt the walls on the way you know, it needs to do mm. just something crazy to the world that, like, is just not easy and is not typically in games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, the the rigid nature of how to make a game just sort of is makes that impossible or very difficult. Mm. It, it requires a whole lot of, like, extra content generation. You basically have to fill in a ton of gaps and then not tell people um, that you've done that. Because then you get those cool moments like, oh, wow, I did this with this magic effect and it worked. Like, I think Divinity has things where... Divinity Original Sin has things where, like... Um, there are, like, puzzle fights in there, and it ends up being more systematic later because you figure it out. But things like, uh, oh, it's... You need to use a scroll of rain and then use a lightning bolt because the rain will cause the lightning to arc between enemies and... Uh, or, or, like, you use this sun scroll to dry up the rain and then you can ignite things and cause the enemies to detonate over there instead of on top of you. Um... So there's like weird interactions that they had to program in um, that make it feel more real. Yeah, that game does a lot to try to program in interactions, but it's like, no, it, it, it's just, it's almost maybe counter to what games are and that they're like finite, the amount of interactions you can have um, in terms of, you can have infinite levels or whatever, but like the systems of the game are finite. And so... You can say there's, like you said, it's sort of later in the game, you sort of figured out, okay, I figured out that, yes, like lightning contracts this way, but, you know, this other thing that I thought of doesn't really work or doesn't, you know, isn't responded. Like, but you, for magic, it's like that fantastical element of like, that someone just did something that feels impossible right here. And so you have to like set the foundation of what feels possible and then you have to just obliterate it. And that's like really hard to do. Yeah. I feel like magic, narratively speaking, and this is a fair diversion from um, where we are, from from the ground gives way, um, but I feel like magic works narratively best when uh, you have a long lead-up to before magic appears, or the mag magical characters are always kind of aloof. Um, so you can have things that are magical that show up in like the third act and are just like totally bonkers. Um, there's a game, uh, uh, called Eclipse Phase that is a, um, tabletop role-playing game. Um, and minor spoilers for that game, uh, weird that there can be spoilers, but there's psychics in this game, which is really more of a sci-fi game and tends to be pretty hard about it sci-fi. Uh, and some of the players can kind of get access to, um, psychic stuff. Uh, but the psychic stuff that enemies have is just like, 
it just kind of tells the GM, make up some bullshit. It's going to be really weird. Make it unsettling. Make it impossible. Make them do things that can't happen. That's the kind of psychic power that they have because it's basically magic. Yeah. But that isn't that like that to me is always the most beautiful part of what D and D is like, like it's interesting when we say this is the D and D of video games or whatever. And then you're like, you know, you, we can all comment about how the systems are shared. That's true. But this game also leaves a lot to the imagination. Um, and I feel like that's another core element of D&D, but I think D&D can take it kind of farther. Like something that I always want Elena to do in our D&D campaigns is I want just just put some agency into what is happening and make something just totally unpanned and crazy and insane happen. Because you can. Like in a game, they have to, to some degree, think of all the interactions and sort of stage them. But in a D&D campaign, you can just do, make crazy shit happen it doesn't have to have rules i mean it can it should have like logic to some degree but if someone does something that's completely out of left field you can react and you can just warp the world to fit that and that's just i think something i don't know if it's it'll be ever possible that games can keep up with that level of creativity and impact on the world it it may be impossible to some degree they can but it requires human intervention so things like game masters also playing the game and generating like specific content or, or other players who are able to impact things and generate play stories. Um, or even a game like Dwarf Fortress, which is just basically a simulator and you get to make your own stories within there and the game will react reasonably well to almost everything you can do. Uh, but that still has the restrictions of what's possible in the system. Yes. No, but I, I think I think James, like what you're saying, is is valid. I think it's like that the restrictions of the systems eventually do. There is a there's a brick wall that you'll hit with the systems, and they can be really far out. And maybe if we made them so so far out, we would never notice them. And maybe that's the dream, and that's the goal. And in a hundred years, we'll be there. But like with D and D, because it's in your imagination, and there aren't those hard walls, you can just break them. You can break past them, and it's like a beautiful experience that that game can have that others like video games specifically programmed games just cannot have because of their basis in programming and your dm will hate you for it Uh, yes um so bringing this back to the ground gives way i feel like the ground gives way is extremely limited in its system in that it tells you all the information is there up front you can look at an enemy you can see literally everything it has can do will do um, like you just have a hundred percent of the information you'll ever need about everything you see. Um, that's not strictly true. Uh, like certain things, um, uh, they say they can be upgraded, but not by whom or, or where or when or what they would upgrade into. Um, so there's a certain mystery there, but, um, almost everything is provided to you. You, you, you know, everything's exact, exact hit chances. If you wanted to, you could fairly easily pen and paper out the probability of you winning each encounter just by walking up and hitting something with a sword. Um, yep. Or your fists. So the player has basically pure information. It becomes almost like a puzzle game. Um, I would, so it's I interesting would, to me. I that would push that a little, D&D. though, just because, just like, I actually, I think once you add random chance <laughs> to hit, I think that kind of breaks the ability to puzzle it out. Don't, yeah. I, 
Because, like, that's what I think, and we haven't played this, but I think we ought to. Into the Breach is, like, the example of, like, that took the randomness out, and now you can really puzzle it. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of that game, and I think that this game does not go that far, and that that chasm, well, that difference between them is enough for me to point at it and go, I don't, I don't know. You give a lot of information, but I can't be sure I actually beat that guy. I might just die. Yes. Um, and that's actually, I have a lot of opinions on randomness in games. Um, and I think this game, uh, so I think your base hit chance is like 60% or something, which is like yep. abysmal. Yeah, um, it's pretty low, right? Yeah. So my experience with, with randomness in games is that anything between 30 and 70% basically feels the same to the player. It's just a coin toss. Um, when you get into the like high 70s, 80s, not even up to the 90s range, like, you can be reasonably sure it's going to be okay for you. Um, and 90% plus, it almost dips down in a way that it's like, if it misses at this point, it just feels bad. Um, like and- XCOM. Do you remember XCOM where there's the sword in XCOM 2 and it's like 95% hit chance? Fuck that. If you miss with the swords, you run your dude all the way from cover straight up to this guy who's got three health points and it does a guaranteed four damage and you miss, it's like the anti-fun experience of the entire game. <laughs> yeah. With XCOM, like, I figured out, and this is going to be a diversion onto XCAM, XCOM, and also I'm going to talk about a game called Battle for Westnoth. Actually, has anyone played that? No. Just I, assume no. Yeah, it's another... It's like a poster child for Linux gaming. It's interesting. Um, but in XCOM, you at least have the ability... There are a number of abilities that you have that are guarantees. You can use grenades and rockets. Um, if you position yourself well, you can get uh, like shotguns and stuff up to 100% hit chance. Um, like it has the ability to, you have the ability to get guarantees. And when you're playing that game at the high level, you basically make sure that you can handle all of the enemies with your guarantees before you even start considering um, taking those 80% shots. Uh, and as a note, you should never ever take a shot below 80%. You just don't do it. It's it, it's useless. Um, and uh, if I ever game, play that game, I'll keep that in mind. Then there's okay. Battle for Westnoth, where uh, the best you can do um, in ordinary circumstances is a 70% chance to hit. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. Um, <laughs> things like you, you'll walk up to an enemy and, and your guy is, you know, in good health, and it actually gives you like these little bar charts of what percentage chance there are of outcomes for each combat combatant's health um, at the end, and it, it shows you it's like, yeah, you've got like a 0.2% chance to uh, to die here, and it's like, well, you know, whatever, I've got like a 90% chance to kill them, and then it's like your your guys like miss, 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 and then just like, hit you and kill you, and it's like, well, meh. that was fun, wasn't it? Um, that feels awful. So you can't plan around it at all. Um, it's weird that this game didn't make me feel that way as much, um, despite having a really low hit chances, generally speaking. Um, like, it felt okay, maybe because you're iterating it over it a whole lot. Well, that also, yeah. there's a lot of, like, it. once you realize you can rest, um, you have a lot of health points to work with, too. Like, you have a lot of ways of healing yourself and a lot of ways to sort of okay, I took a little bit of extra damage here, but I can I can work around that. Like, you can prepare enough that it doesn't feel like one person's just necessarily just going to kill you unless they've completely caught you off guard or there's something you haven't seen before. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I don't know if I was just like lucky during the game, but like uh, most of my encounters, I kind of just like breezed through. <clears throat> I never really felt like I had a, a moment where, yeah, you rub to the enemy and you attack, and you're just like missing every attack, and you're just like, why? <laughs> right. Yeah, I either basically wrecked people or died immediately. Yeah, exactly. That was also my experience. I think the game could use some work <laughs> with the like the difficulty curve. Because it's like you aren't <clears throat> challenged and aren't given really an opportunity to adjust your strategy until something shows up and it's like, yeah, this hits 80% of the time, 3 damage, and is faster than you. The game that I started a few minutes before we started the podcast and then continued playing a little bit, uh, I died to a lantern on like the third level. I didn't know what a lantern was. I kind of thought it wasn't a monster. <laughs> and then I got level three poison almost instantaneously and just died. Yep. So that felt bad. <laughs> One hell of a lantern. Yeah, right? And I found, like, my first item that I found was an ice bag. And I was like, great, this is almost useless for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys know what that is, but you put food into it so it doesn't go bad. Oh, rest. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like, like a really good item, at? generally speaking. But yeah, wonder, it's like super game... strong, but also it's not a sword. <laughs> I wonder if this game has anything like um, that guarantees that you find a lethal weapon in the first three floors or something like that. Because no. No, it doesn't. Mm -mm. Well, that's okay. Neat. Because it's like punching uh, things. Unless just I sucks. just couldn't find it. Yeah. It might have been behind a trap that I had nine percent chance to disarm. Why didn't you attempt it, James? Yeah, I just go for that shit, man. Because sometimes you get poisoned and die. So sometimes this game has some really fun little tidbits. Like I found a banana at one point. And I was like, mm -hmm. neat, a banana. Um, so I ate the banana because it gave me a bunch of energy and I needed that to like identify some items. And then it gave me a banana peel, which is classified as a trap. And it also states on this that it is uninteresting to aliens. I saw that. Um, I, I did not know what that meant. So I figured it out later. Um, aliens are kind of the dungeon cleaners. If you drop an item and then leave the floor and then come back, um, you'll sometimes see an alien scampering around with your item before it teleports away. Um, so they just Weird. make it so that you actually have to care about the inventory limit instead of just storing everything in a big pile somewhere. Um, oh, interesting. And so because banana peels are uninteresting to aliens, you can drop them and leave them and the aliens won't pick them up. But I just love the idea that banana peels are somehow uninteresting to aliens. <laughs> That's, That's pretty cool, great, though. actually. I feel like... This aliens, I didn't know anything about the aliens, but I feel like that is sort of showing it that there are certain aspects of this game that are actually really cool if you get to them. Like it has a lot of depth and and weirdness to it. Like it's it's way deeper than you would expect. There are weird things going on and weird enemies and weird stuff. Like it, it's cooler than I think you would give it credit for looking at it. Like just because yeah. the graphics are maybe, they're not even simplistic. Like this is fucking hard to do. I couldn't do this. Um, that's why but, I made uh, you do it. They're just not artistic. Right. It's the graphics. So I might argue that the graphics accomplish most of what they should. All the information you need is on screen. Um, 
like it's not as accessible as one might wish it to be. I, I give you that. Like you have to examine enemies to get information about them, um, rather than kind of having some visual cues about what they do or what they are. Um, but for the most part, the information is just kind of there for you. Um, so in a certain sense, that is, so that is to me the most important thing that visuals should do. Number one in games, visuals in games should first and foremost provide information to the player. Um, this is part of why I really didn't like the Gardens in Between because it had certain visual cues that it used inconsistently. Um, so while it was pretty to look at, there were really cool vistas and really cool like screenshots you could take and stuff like that. Um, it did. It wasn't doing its job from a game perspective. Yeah, I agreed with that. In I this remember. game, you get all the information you need, but it's you know maybe not pleasant to look at. It doesn't do the imaginative work for you, um, but it's perfectly serviceable as a user interface. See, I. I would just say like there's a deciphering, there's like a percentage of my brain power that has to go into like decoding it that I find like to be its biggest weakness. Like to me, this kind of feels like bad code, like reading it, because I'd rather it be more descriptive in its like naming of variables, but instead it's like a symbol and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> okay, yes. And it'll tell me and I can always find it, but it's just that process of like, especially when you try to move quickly. If you're like, okay, I'm gonna start moving a little faster as opposed to hitting like a key and then waiting, analyzing everything, then another key, then waiting. If you're like, okay, I'm gonna move a little faster, it's fine. You, I can't at a glance, like understand exactly what's going on. And I think that's sort of the difficulty that it, that it has. It, it doesn't let you rely on those sort of context clues because you have to constantly be going back to your glossary of what these things mean. Mm. Is that, I mean, I, I understand that you had a problem with it, but would other people consider that to be a problem? Because this is game, this game is fully turn-based. If you're not doing anything, nothing is happening. So you have all the time in the world to look at these things. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, it is still a problem. I, I think it's mitigated by the fact that you don't have to iterate time until you want to, but I think that having graphics that you don't need a lookup table to understand is is a good <laughs> design choice. Definitely like imagine preferable. This scenario, right? What if every turn, every um, icon on screen was randomized, but they give you a glossary? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like, reasonable. Yeah. Like, I'm not me, saying your complaint is invalid. I don't mean to no, be no. saying that. Oh, of course not. I'm just saying, like, that, that to me is, is, is trying to get at the concept of, like, if I had had it all memorized, then, then it, would, it wouldn't be a problem. But to me, it's like I did not necessarily appreciate the decoding I had to do each turn. I know that I had the time for it, but it, um, it was not necessarily, like, fun. And it was, it was kind of getting in the way. I only found myself decoding when I saw new monsters, um, which I actually found kind of interesting because monsters, like looking at that stat sheet was kind of interesting to me. It's like, what did this game decide to give skeletons? And why is that cool? Oh, interesting. They're 
200% resistant to poison. I don't know why you need 200% resistance, but okay. I mean, why is the sewer slime a J? A gel. All the gel-type monsters are that. Come on, James. Get good. Yeah. All right, yeah, I mean, fine. They, they, they worked with <laughs> what they had, and they worked with the style, and they did not deviate from that style, so there's only so much they could do. But I think that style limits it from the how much information you can glean from just a passing glance and understanding what's going on. Um, and I find this especially to be true with uh, what statuses the enemies had. Like when you were walking in, like that took me forever to be like, okay, so there are the, these three symbols and those three symbols mean to me, like, okay, I'm pretty, like I, I knew friendly or not, right? Or like, you know, they didn't care about me or enemies. But then the rest of it was like, what are these things mean? And I just kept being like, okay, yes, I guess I can go into target mode and look at them and see what it is. And I would always do that. But I just couldn't get from them what was going on just really quickly without, because, you know, often you're thinking about another thing. You're often thinking about, well, what is my grand goal here? And so then you're like, okay, my grand goal needs to wait because I need to figure out what the fuck this thing is in front of me. And like that, that just would always take me away. Yeah. <sighs> James, I'm just going to quit Harold. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, fuck oh. this game, Harold. <laughs> no, yeah, like, I, I thought it was cool. Um, no, I, I just... I, yeah, oh, go ahead. I enjoyed it. Actually, rather did a you, lot. Did you guys find this game to be easy-ish to pick up? Um, I felt I had a fairly quick... Like, I know what the fuck is happening with this game compared to other roguelikes. Did people who haven't played roguelikes get that experience at all? Like, were you, did you say, would you say you were competent and understanding of what's happening in the game? As someone who has not played roguelikes a ton, maybe like once before this, uh, I, yes, I found it easy to kind of just pick up and dive into. Though I would argue that it would be hard to master. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of like a really great thing, right? Yeah. Was it easy to pick up because the systems did what you expected them to do? Like health points were health points, in fact, and they operated in the way you expected? Or like what What made it easy to pick up, do you think? Um, yeah, I think because it's... I mean, visualizations aside and you have any kind of, you know, like you were saying, decipher the... <clears throat> deciphering the, the text and what things are. Uh, I think the systems in place are very straightforward. Like, you know, you just move into an enemy to attack it. Um, you know, hit points are what they are. Uh, magic as well, though I never really got around to using it. Um, so even same with like, uh, was it like the fatigue points? Yeah, effort points. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it It all, for me at least, it all, it, it made sense. So I could kind of just gather from that and just keep moving forward. I would argue that I was not successful with this game, <laughs> but it was easy enough to keep going and keep moving forward to some degree and not really get lost and confused on like, oh shit, what am I doing? Or how does the game work? I think it's also really great that this game has a very limited set of keystrokes. I think there's like, so you have arrow keys and it doesn't, it disables diagonals, which is atypical of roguelikes. 
Um, and there's, I think, Z, X, and C, and one of them is kind of just a shortcut for some others. And then... And spacebar. And spacebar is, yeah, you're, you're omni-interact. And uh, A, which actually is like the other omni-interact. A little <laughs> weird, but in any case, you have like five real buttons to pay attention to, which is like way less than... Like in, in NetHack, you like to cast a spell, you press Z for zap, which is different than capital Z, which is zap a wand. Um, and you have to like navigate through your menu and pick out... And it changes if you pick out which spell... Um, you want to cast, and that changes if you learn new spells, it pushes things around. Um, and maybe I'm misremembering NetHack and being unfair to it, but it's these sorts of things. Where there's like 50 different menus and differentiations between capital and lowercase button button presses and, and all this nonsense. Like, this game has five keystrokes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it does. it does help, like, sort of rein in like what it is that you think you can possibly accomplish at this exact moment, which is nice. So, you know, like, okay, I can look at these different people. I can obviously move. Right. And then if I'm, and the other thing, by the way, on that is it also reminds you or warns you if you're going to do anything that it thinks maybe is like extra cost, like walk out of an enemy's opportunity or, uh, walk through heavy water. Like it also like reminds you, like, are you sure you want to do this? There's going to be a cost. So it does try to rein in like, your expectation of what's happening when you're sort of experimenting around with the keys and trying to figure out what you can actually do. Yeah. I think the game does a lot to help the player. Like, I yeah, think this I is think a game that's, that's totally true. Very, um, like it, it, it is helping you. The game helps you rather than that hack, which is just like, read the fucking manual scrub. Yeah. And the manual is yeah. literally a book. And it's like, okay, so what does this goblin do? And you look at the goblin, and it literally just gives you a Tolkien quote about what goblins look like. And it's like, thanks. <laughs> that, that didn't help at all. <laughs> Can I ask a random question? I just, uh, maybe this, for those of you who went through the tutorial, I'm wondering if I missed this, but when you knocked an enemy unconscious, like say a rat, and it's in the hallway, like it's it's blocking the door, and to move through it would require an effort point to push it aside. Like that system to me just made no sense because like when you kill them, they disappear entirely. But when they're unconscious, they're like still there. And I didn't know how to like, okay, just kill this dude so that I don't have to walk through him anymore. Yeah, there isn't a way. It's just, it's just a giant fuck you to people who don't have lethal weapons yet. Um, so you need lethal weapons in order to kill unconscious people? Uh, you need, so if you have a lethal weapon and you hit something, it just dies. Um, I see. There's not really a reason to have some, like, you would never wish something to be unconscious instead of dead, because at that point, it, it's like this weird Sokoban-style puzzle where you have to care about where its body is, um, which is kind of an interesting system. If they had kept that, even with lethal weapons, that could have been interesting, um, if frustrating. Uh, but yeah, once you get a lethal weapon, all those considerations go away. The considerations of knocking something out, resting, and having them wake up, like, in... in like resting in a Dark Souls bonfire fight, um, play the air horns, um, or uh, like having them blocking hallways and stuff. Like that could have been a cool consideration, but once you get a lethal weapon, you just hit, you just delete things. And as far as I'm aware, there's no reason not to just want that. Yeah. No, absolutely. So wait, I, I man, am I misremembering? I thought I would kill things sometimes with just my bare fists. Uh, some, some things, things have to die to 
non-lethal damage. I see. Yeah, certain things have the frail tag, which that's apparently what that does. Yeah. Okay. So that's just, so like that's just like an example of a system that I just did not. So they, it's amazing how much I was able to gleam from this game, even though, because there's so many different systems going on, and a lot of them I think really do act as you would expect them to. But occasionally you do find something, at least for me, like this, where I was just completely confused as to why this one was unconscious. And I was like, dude, pick that rat up, rat up and move him to a corner so you don't have to walk through this like doorway 18 times and spend all your effort or just like snap its neck. Um, and he just wouldn't. Dude, how big are these rats, though? That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, every time yeah, for you sure. don't want to step over a rat, it's bad luck. So you have to stoop down and your character's an idiot. So they're lifting with their back, not their legs. So, no, I don't know why they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you guys get the uh, back pain status? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was once uh, confused, and I just kept stumbling around, which, again, I thought was like, a cute mechanic. But then I, like, ma- like, miraculously found a potion that was called Clear Mind. Or, no, 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 it wasn't a potion. It was a, a wand. It was a wand of oh. Clear Mind. And so I tried to cast it, and I almost screenshotted the shit, because it just says... You were too confused to cast Clear Mind, and I'm like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I got I got a, a wand of Clear Mind, and I looked at it and was like, "Oh man, confusion's awful. I love this." And I look at it, and it it's like immunity to confusion. And I'm like, "I know from a previous playthrough that you're not allowed to use any magic stuff if you're confused." So this is a purely preemptive thing, and every time I've been confused, it's because something off screen hit me with the confuse bolt. Yep. <laughs> or like a trap or something. Yeah. And I shouldn't yeah. say off screen because one thing I kind of like about this, nothing will ever, ever be off screen. Um, because the game has a, an enforced map size and it will always fit inside the map pane. Right. No, I actually totally, I thought that was pretty cool too. Just that there's no scrolling. Like there's no like, you, you and you can kind of, as a player, it's like a meta level where you can kind of understand like, this is only going to go so far. So if I want to open up this door, like I have to understand that it's probably just one area if it's in the corner. Like, so, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. This game is just very nice to the player. And I think that's like, that was the goal. So like on the site that they have, they have like, if you've already played a roguelike, uh, the ground gives way, differs from the others and a big list of things that are more or less simplifications or removal of things that didn't really add a ton. Um, like, there's no experience. There's no point to kill something in this game, except for to get it out of your way, which I like. Um, it, like, hunting things for experience in roguelikes is just kind of annoying, um, mm-hmm. to me at least. Uh, let's see. They list 700 unique items, um, which is... Like, pretty impressive, because a lot of games just have, like, they do, like, the combinatorial thing, where they just have a list of enchantments, um, or brands, sometimes they're called, uh, and a list of weapon, like, base weapon types, and then they have, like, plus versions or, like, materials that stack on top of those for this giant weapons cube or weapons grid or weapons tesseract, depending on how many things are varying here, um... And that's good in the sense that it tells you exactly what a Mithril Spear of Decapitation will do, but it is less good in the sense that you don't know. It, like, like It's less good in the sense that it's not fun. Yeah, right? it doesn't feel unique. It just feels like, okay, yeah, I guess it's those combinations. Fine. And it's like, 
Yeah. You find a weapon and it's like, this is a strict upgrade, and you just like throw your other weapon in the trash, and it's like, okay, cool, moving on. I also think this game is rather friendly in terms of like putting stuff on that you don't know what it is or disarming traps and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I think it can poison you and kill you, as James has mentioned, but I think I just started opening everything and just putting everything on. And for the most part, it didn't feel like it was just like actively stabbing me in the back and just killing me right there. Like for the most part, I was able to like get valuable things for a cost it, and it wasn't an exorbitant cost. Yeah. Did anyone else experience that? Like, cause I just started opening all the traps, like no matter what, even if it wasn't in my way, I was like, no, fuck it. I'll open that. I'll accept that. I can rest or whatever. It's okay. Yeah. I did the same thing. But I kind of like that. It, it was like, okay, I'm curious. Like, let's go, let's go put this stuff on. Let's go open these traps. Let's go open these doors. I mean, sometimes I'd open a door into a room and I just get murdered by everything inside there. But like, for the <laughs> most part, <laughs> for the most part, it's like, this thing kind of looks like it would be good to put on. I'm going to put it on. And I, and I like that as opposed to being just utterly scared. I, I, at least for my gameplay, I wasn't scared that I was going to put this thing on and it was just going to kill me and I was going to have wasted everything. I felt like even if it is a cost... I can work around it and deal with it. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I wasn't doing that perhaps out of learned habit from NetHack, where it's like, it's something like 20% of items are just cursed. So it's just like, if you don't have access to identification... You just don't put shit on. Yeah, you just don't. And it's like, hey, a really cool sword. Too bad I don't have identification. And you just keep it in your pocket. Um, and this game doesn't do that. Like, this game doesn't have that kind of weird, arbitrary, like, fuck you moment. Um, and I'm sure, I, I'm calling it arbitrary, which is perhaps unfair to net hack. I'm sure that was a careful consideration, um, at some level. But I like that this game gives you all the, it's just very friendly in general, which is a surprising change, surprising change of pace for roguelikes. Yeah. Especially in that, yeah, you're right, in that genre where it's just, like, it's so brutal. Because they just, they, they by necessity have to kill you. They have to. And they have to do it early. And then they have to make so that when you have a good run, you feel like you've gotten further. It's also a matter of, like, learning. I think you can get really good at NetHack and stuff like that. I think there are people who have, like, a 75% win rate or something. That's so, like, insane. every run, no matter what they're doing with it, like, they know the strategies and stuff like that. But there's also bullshit strategies, like if you write in the dirt a certain phrase in NetHack, enemies will be reluctant to step on that square. Nowhere in the game will it ever tell you this. And it's like a key strategy to surviving. Good God. That's like when you watch speedruns or something, and they're like, yeah, all you, all you do is just pick this barrel up and then clip through this wall, and you're in the next level. You're like, okay, cool. I was going to do that. Fuck? <laughs> um, yeah. Although I think this game's major shortcoming is, and maybe this is a, a, a consequence of me having played this for about three hours total, um, but there's just like sometimes difficulty spikes and you may very well simply not have the tools to handle them. So my ADHD flared up and I was like, I'm just going to play another game of The Ground Gives Way right now. And <laughs> I just got, I just cut myself on a piece of glass and died. <laughs> the trash. That's awesome. That's you, such bullshit. You shouldn't have been I running around with one health. It only does one damage, man. Well, I was also diseased, so I couldn't gain life by resting. Oh, well, don't be that then. <laughs> well, I 
I checked a trap that I wasn't going to because you guys were suggesting that. Well, okay, so the people were saying that it's, like, fun to do these things. It is not good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> Slamming your faces into traps is not a, the good way to win this game. I don't know. It worked for me. But anyways. <laughs> yeah, but did you win, though? No, no. And I am actually curious if Adam won. Uh, no. Um, did you find the artifact? No. Um, I'm what fairly certain this game, I don't know how... It, it doesn't matter. It's just a reference to, like, in NetHack, it's the, the amulet of Yendor or something like that, which is just Rodney spelled backwards because that was, like, who gives a shit? It's just a, it's just a magic piece of bullshit that lets you get out of the dungeon. Easy. Um, okay. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not win. Um, this is a game that I think, I don't know how many levels deep the game is. You can actually look at your, like, maps and we'll show so, you, I think. I heard somebody talk about NetHack and about how one of the key ways to win NetHack is to uh, gain intrinsic buffs. Um, and the way that you do that is you find rings with buffs on them, and then you transform yourself into this one kind of monster that can eat stones... <laughs> And then you eat the rings, and then you transform back into a human, or whatever you were to start with, and you keep the buff. Yeah. Yeah, that's the so... kind of bullshit that NetHack has. I mean, NetHack's like tagline is everything in the kitchen sink. I think, like, there's a thing in NetHack where if you are, if you try to pick up a cockatrice corpse, corpse without gloves on, you are petrified and die. Um, if you are carrying a cockatrice corpse while overburdened and you walk down a set of stairs, you have a chance of stumbling. And if you stumble while walking down stairs while carrying a cockatrice corpse, you can fall on it, get petrified, and die. That game is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of cool, but also, yes. <laughs> um... So this was a cool game to play and to figure out, but I don't think I'm really going to be going back to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably won't either. Um, it's interesting. Um, I think it, for the most part, succeeded in what it was trying to do. Um, I think it needs a little bit more tuning on like the difficulty curve to be um, like truly really good, but this is also just like a guy made a game, and this is what it is. And it did some it, really cool novel things. It's interesting, right? Because, like, I feel like this both proves... Like, if you think about, like, yeah, like, a guy made a game, like... And you mentioned earlier, like, this game would not exist if it weren't for the ability to make the graphics this way, right? Because he's not an artist. But I, it's, like, I think it really does just prove home... Or, you know, t whatever. Prove that a single person cannot make a successful game. Like, in a commercial sense. Like, I think... If, if this was made for him, or if it was made for him and a small group of, like, hardcore people, then that's, like, more power to him in every every way, right? Didn't but, one um, guy make Stardew Valley, though? But he must have had an artist, right? Am I tripping? Probably I not. think he did all the art and wrote all the music, because he's just a god. There really? are people who are polymaths like that. Like, Cave Story was made by one person, and that's just an all-around great game. Um, 
Like, there are a lot of games that are just made by these polymaths, but not everyone is that. And I like to see these tiny little games made by just various people. Oh, and I, th- I think, like, more power to them, right? Like, I'm not saying... I'm just saying that, like, I, I would never have played this game if, if you hadn't have made me. Um, right. I just think that shows the the sort of hard limit in terms of exposure and in terms of whatever that they can get with a game like this. And I think that kind of... It's, it sort of saddens me, too, because I think you could easily just throw AAA graphics on top of this and sell this thing. 100%. Um, might not be for you know, $60, but you probably do it for $10. Um, and if they had graphics that fit in, it would totally work and people would be interested and potentially be cool. But um, because it's not like that, you kind of can't. You, you really can't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's like I actually was so attached to the concept of graphics in my own, you know, games that I found it hard to analyze the systems of this game just because there were no like visuals to to accompany it like it's just like they're so attached in my mind Mm. Um, like i'm thankful to have experienced something so different but i just the whole time through i I actually felt it was hard to analyze this game because i was so out of my element um graphically and that's kind of why i picked it (laughs) which is awesome but it's it's interesting to see like actually i'm curious if gabe felt similar but like because i know like you and uh so adam and james have played games like this before and so your literacy with these sorts of weird graphics are are higher and so you're able to sort of see through it more and see through what they're what it's trying to tell you but for me it was like very dense um to get into it and i i actually felt it way harder to even look at the systems even though that's almost all there were just because i was because you were trying to parse the graphics yeah i was trying to parse the graphics and so i was just like the whole thing was muddied to me Hmm. you feel that way gabe or no a little i mean it is nice when you're just playing like a you know your average old game and i don't know you look at like a a visualization of an apple and you're like oh it's an apple i don't need to extrapolate what this could be or like figure out what these things are um but to me i think this game did its visualizations all right enough to where it didn't really bog me down a ton it was a little jarring at the very beginning, but it was easy for me to kind of adapt to this and see how the game uh, visualizes itself and kind of just work with it and keep it keep going despite it just being this very simplistic uh, visual approach. Do you like? Do you? see games a little differently after having played something like this this is like a naked system and it's like weird for me to look at a naked system i'm like put some clothes on but um (laughs) (laughs) did you find that at all like did you see like any similarities with other games that i guess you haven't played many roguelikes right so maybe there aren't many other similarities with other games but i'm just curious because i I mean i've played like some kind of top down like dungeon crawler type games so i saw some some similarities to that with like just the general kind of feel and uh i don't know bare bones or skeletons of the of the game itself the structure but yeah i mean i haven't played like any roguelikes really to directly compare two similar games yeah so so with that then how did you guys the the non-roguelikers 
to me, this is kind of a breath of fresh air compared to a lot of other roguelikes, because a lot of what it does are like improvements or simplifications on the roguelike formula. Um, but comparing it outside of that framework, like what did you guys think just taking the game compared to, you know, the closest similarity, sim similarity you guys have? The closest similarity that I have is probably Doom Eternal. The new one coming out? Yeah. <laughs> no, not just putting what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We're all like sitting here, like trying to think. It's like, okay, James is a smart guy. This is coming from somewhere. What the fuck is it, though? No, 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 no. I was just like, what is some random bullshit that I can say right now? I was like, James, was... you're gonna get me in really copy. What are we saying here? There, there is actually a Doom roguelike, Doom RL. <laughs> really? Yeah. Apparently That's not quite Doom good. real life. It's Doom roguelike. Yep, Doom the roguelike. Send you guys a link in a minute here. Yeah, I think yeah. Why don't, why don't we just hit the why don't we just hit the thumbs up, thumbs down, go in a circle, and and hit up with a how did you feel about this game sort of thing. I feel like that sort sure. of answers your questions, but sure. Um, um, yeah, let's see. Oh, you so, want to start? Yeah, I guess because I'm first in line. I guess I, my good. name alphabetic superiority. Um, so as usual, I'm going to completely ignore your prompt and not give it either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Really, um, I think it did some things really well. Um, I like the simplifications it made. I like that it gave you pretty much all the information you could want about things. Like, there wasn't an element of mystery. You don't walk into a room and say, hey, what does that thing do? And then it kills you, and you say, oh, that. And then you have to, like, learn over the course of many playthroughs what enemies are dangerous. This game, you know right up front if something's dangerous or not. Um, Unless you don't use the ability that it gives you to analyze monsters. Right. That's like saying, man... Uh, a Team Fortress is really hard to play when you play with your eyes closed. How unfair. Um, I mean, that is true, though. It... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, like... As a game, I think it succeeded at what it was trying to do, which was to make a roguelike that's kind of coffee break-sized and not something that has this huge cliff to overcome before you're able to really start playing it at all um like many roguelikes kind of do um i think it had some issues with the like balancing of difficult monsters and maybe the feedback that you can get from that um like to me i would die to things that you know i didn't have any tools against and i would try to analyze each death as how you do when you want to learn how to play these kinds of games um and it was kind of like hmm yeah no i I don't see anything I could have done that would have saved me there. Interesting. Um, so it did feel like there were some seeds that were maybe kind of unwinnable, and I doubt that's actually the case, but I don't know where I would go to fix that. Um, so yeah, I think as a roguelike in general, it's okay for what it's trying to do. I think it was really good. I think it succeeded at what it was trying to do, which is big. Yeah. And just to clarify, by the way, the cool, rating fair. system what is uh not a boolean it's not like up down it's a uh, five point scale so it's like double thumbs up thumbs up in the middle is like kind of like a eh. then there's like you know thumbs down double thumbs down and it's more about your experience and then like you contextualize that with who might want to play the game so it's sort of like first your own personal experience and then like judging based on your personal experience do you think it would translate to other people and who those people might be so whatever. i guess you know, i was gonna it. say uh 
Adam not using the the system. How how roguelike of you? What the Ooh. fuck does that even All mean? Right. Roguish. Okay. Roguish. I'll see you. myself out. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Wow. Wow. Gabe literally just leaves the call like. <laughs> yeah. I would say this game to me was like in the middle, like that sort of like meh, meh experience. Like I think it, it was very mixed. Um, but I think that's partially because I, I just don't like roguelikes. I think they have to be an exceptional roguelike for me to enjoy them. Um, cause I just don't like the flow that they have, um, hmm. which I've spoken on previously, but I, I think for the, this game, it really, really matters who you are to, in terms of whether you'd like it or not. Like, I think if you are someone who takes their time with games that is very slow is very methodical and wants to soak up the information and wants to make a conscious choice and wants to slowly creep their way through this stuff and has a good imagination and maybe has enjoyed text adventures back in the past. I think this game's rad for that. Like you, there's a lot of cool stuff to discover here. That's weird and you'll have to figure it out. And it does a surprisingly good job at explaining to you weird stuff you haven't seen before and you can kind of figure it out. Um, and there are cool systems like, you know, like hearing, like how far they can hear you from and seeing and light. And there's, there's some cool stuff in this game for sure. For me, it's the middle of the road. But if you're that type of person, I think you would enjoy it. You should totally check it out, especially for free. I mean, that's pretty good. So. Yeah. I mean, I think I would give it a thumbs up. I enjoyed it when I was playing it. Um, I, uh, you know, as a free experience, it, it was definitely, you know, totally worth it. Um, and, um, I think for what it was, it did a good job. Um, I, 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 I agree with McCoy that there's kind of problems with this genre in a certain sense. Um, but I do enjoy roguelikes. So, uh, I, I got to come, come at it from a slightly different angle. For me, I'm going to say, I'm going to give it two kind of ratings in a sense of, for me personally, I would say no thumbs. Um, just because I know, right? (laughs) Because I personally am not really a fan of these kind of games. Um, but I do appreciate how this one was easy to dive into, even as someone who is not experienced with these, uh, style of games, but objectively, you know, removing kind of myself from the, from the situation and just looking this objectively as a game, I would give it a thumbs up because like I said, it is easy to dive into, but it's also creative and I think captivating enough to keep going. And for someone who enjoys these kind of games to dive into and they could really get some enjoyment out of this. And it's free. So that always helps. Yeah. I'm probably cause I couldn't sell it, but you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it could be a $1 phone app. Be strange as a phone app. It could work. I mean, yeah, but like just swiping for moving and then like a couple of buttons down at the bottom. Or, I, I mean, it could heck, work. You could even just have like, uh, like the, the arrow key pad, like a D pad on, on the touchscreen. Uh, yeah, that's true. I used to play Game Boy games that way. Yeah. yeah. 
like this game would be fairly well suited to that. It is supposed to be like coffee break kind of game, so I think right. that's like a good place for it in a lot of ways. I had a so good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. No, actually, I'm reconsidering. <laughs> Couldn't be. Okay, here's another random question. Uh, sometimes I would hit the space bar and it would just like jump me like five to ten, twenty tiles in a random direction. Did anybody have that? Yes. Um, yeah. I, if you'd read the I tutorial, played, you'd have known. I played the first part of the tutorial like for two minutes, and then I was like, "Yeah, fuck this." And the first thing that it explained, I think, or one of the first things, was the space bar. Um, it's like an explore button if you're in explore mode, where it'll it'll just skip a corridor for you. You'll just go to something in the corridor, the first thing that appears in the corridor. Um, but oh. if you're in combat, then it's do nothing. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely would have gone through the tutorial had I um, seen that. I don't know how I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like kind of right there. <laughs> it's definitely right there. I have it open right now. It is right there. <laughs> yeah, man, even I saw it. Come on. I don't know, man. Come it was like on. one of those things where I was like, wow, this game is very cryptic. Mm. Like it's not telling me anything. Cause I, I, I fucking went in and I uh, adjusted the text flow and the font size and made it large. And I was like essentially hacking the back end of the game. And I was looking at their readmes, and I was looking at all this stuff. And like the readme is very simple. It's like here are the keys. All right, enjoy. And I thought that was like an intentional choice of them to be like, fucking deal with it. And that's going to be the game is you figuring it out. And I was like, okay, okay. So I just went in. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't try to make you guys play Starseed Pilgrim twice. <laughs> a game that gives you no instructions and just dumps you into the deep end. And we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. god. Well, thanks so, guys for playing The Ground Gives Way and dealing with yet more of my indie bullshit. Get excited for more of that later. Yes. All Thank right. you for bringing it. Um it's always fun to to widen the horizons. I think we should talk about next week. Next week's yeah, game. Yeah, for sure. So I was thinking since Zoe's not here we should just like shove PC games into this that Yeah, should we play. play Metro Exodus? Wow. Um maybe. But uh so here's the thing, right? So I actually talked to her the other day, and she said she was going to maybe get boot camp anyways. So maybe she will have PC access. But I was thinking, and we could have a, this is not like a 100% necessary thing, but what, what I had an idea coming in here is we should play Apex Legends. Oh, sure. All right. Yeah, do we want to get into multiplayer games? Yes. So I think that is a perfect example of a game we could play for a week and have enough to say. Um, I was also thinking about, like, I'll have to look at my calendar this. What if we just like scheduled like blocks every night and just said, if you can make it show and we just played together like throughout the week and just, if people can make it, sure. If not, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'd be down. down. Um, I certainly can't do it every night of the week, but yeah, I I would be able to play it definitely sometime. Uh, And I feel like that's all of our schedules. So we just try to overlay them as best we can by just like show up if you want to. Um, And I think we should try to like lightly pressure Zoe into getting boot camp so that she can join in on the fun. But you know, it's obviously up to her and what her schedule is. But I just think it'd be kind of rad. Just like show up if you can, get some games in. It's teams of three, so it's kind of like a built-in assumption that we don't all show. <laughs> yeah, um, up to three. That is, uh, it yes. can fill in. Yes, a team. I played it a few times, so I'm not going in blind. Okay. Yeah, me too. Same. Yeah, um, but I think it's got a lot do, to talk about. It's right for the discussion. record, 
I do suck horribly. That's okay. I think <laughs> that's most of us. Um, I at least it's not as bad as Fortnite, where people are building wizards who fly with the power of bricks and stone. Yeah, I currently that's have true. almost one kill. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm I amazing, have a number but... of downs. <laughs> we'll get you to that one kill. <laughs> <laughs> we'll double your rating, bro. Awesome, dude. Thank you. Sounds yeah, no, good. it's just like, let us all just like kick it and, and play that. I feel like it's it's topical. It's out there. It's free. Like we can get a week where we don't have to pay anything. Uh, just like this back to back with with Adam's week. I feel like, hey, sure. Yeah, let's let's on the weeks where Zoe's not here, not spend any money. And then when Zoe gets back, demand that she buys boot camp. How does that sound? Yeah, hey, so Zoe, this, this is going to require. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's a it's a whole nother console. What do you not have? An Xbox? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna play Gears of War. <laughs> Sixty dollars plus the console. <laughs> yeah, if you could get with us on this, like we're trying to go places with this game club and you're just holding us back, so uh, anyways guys, donate to our uh, Patreon um so Zoe can afford games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you could donate to the wine that we all need to consume while we play this game together, like, <laughs> that'd be rad. I feel like we're being mean towards people who actually make a living off of this stuff. Yeah, totally. Especially because, like, this will be quoted a million times later where I, like, actually put a Patreon link up, you know, like, three years from now. Yeah, right. (laughs) The funny thing is that you could put up a Patreon, and since I don't actually listen to our own podcast, I may not know that that exists, and you wouldn't (laughs) have to give me a share of it. Because I would just be like, yeah, we're just doing a game club, and McCoy's over here like, anyways, guys, donate to my Patreon. Yeah, yes. just like add it in post. <laughs> and just, exactly. And I'm like, Adam really needs a new microphone. And then I just like get yeah. money. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. I just think like, look, Adam even if we do put a, a Patreon on this thing, just I don't want us to lose the like, let's just constantly ruthlessly make fun of the world as it is. Because it is fucking ridiculous. Like, hey, man, comment what what video you like. Yeah. Comment what your favorite color is on my video, like for their <laughs> algorithm. Like, thanks, dude. <laughs> Rate, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, it's like I would rather have a small set of subscribers that actually care and want to see my shit, rather than like a ton of subscribers, but then they don't care. Mm. Um. So you want no pro- subscribers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, dude. Not really. I can see you being one of the Paul brothers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, I was watching a little clip from that that someone sent me. or I don't even know if they sent it to me. It must have been on some YouTube video I was watching. But it was like, it was like the guy on the podcast. I don't remember which Paul it is. Um, Doesn't matter to me, really. But it was just this guy up there. And he was just like, yo, I want to pause the show for a second. And everyone's like, okay, yeah. And he's like, just shout out to... And he like points to some guest. He's like, I don't remember what his name is. I'm just going to call him Dan. He's like, shout out to Dan's girlfriend, who's a total 10. And he's just like... What? <laughs> um, and, he's like, and he's like pointing at her in the back. And Dan's just looking there like, yeah. What the <laughs> what fuck? The fuck? <laughs> it was so crazy. I would, be, I would be livid if that happened to me. Yeah, right? It was I mean, insane, I am dude. a perfect 10, oh but I don't God. need the whole world to know it, you know? Yeah, and don't also, also, like, what a shitty thing, just in general, like, never mind. Yeah, it oh, was impressive. I, I laughed. Um, of course, that's, you know, I'm not, I'm like 18 steps removed from the scenario, so I'm not offended. I, but I, I could see how they would be just, like, mad. But Yo, but I just want to, I just want to pause this for a minute and shout out to McCoy's girlfriend. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. How many 
Matt's out of Matt, is she? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> oh, man, for fuck's sake. Yeah, so let's do it. Um, Maybe I'll text Zoe and just say, hey, get fucking boot camp if you want to join on this. This is the craziness. And uh, maybe I'll send out an email um, that just basically says, yo, dogs, here are the reasonable times at night. Try to get on if you can. I'll try to be as many oh, as I can. Fuck. Everyone just try to be as many as they can. Yeah. yeah. And this also opens the, the door for yet more indie bullshit that's multiplayer. Yeah, are you going to be streaming it? So I was thinking about that. I have the tools to a- either stream it or record it. Um, okay. Okay. So but maybe not record. Both. Uh, both. T- yeah, technically both. Yeah. Um, so that's something we could consider too. I think like at the minimum, I should probably get my shit together enough to record it just because it'll be fun. Right. Um, right. But it'd be rad to eventually stream this stuff if we were like, if, you know, if, if there were people listening to the podcast and they were interested and they wanted to see like what it was like when we were in the process of playing the games for the game club, I feel like that would be a rad thing. Yeah, if yeah. there were people who, who watched our stuff and listened to our podcast. Yeah, if yeah. that happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure my dad listens uh, now, so there's that. Take that. Yeah, oh, really? Lene listened Dope. to it, so now we have one, one more listener. Yeah. I could make That's my awesome. dad listen to it as well. Yeah question is are any of our dads going to be hardcore enough to to watch our stream or like and is that weird you know that's like that's like getting a facebook request from your parents you're like um i'm fine with this but i some of my friends behave poorly and yeah (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) uh um so yeah who's who's my dad was 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 a gamer back in the 90s Oh, so he probably played Rogue. Uh, he might have played Rogue. He did only have Max for pretty much the entirety of the 90s because my mom was a graphic designer. Um, and you kind of need to have a Mac to be a graphic designer still today. Um, but he did play Marathon, which is the oh, game right. that made Bungie Damn. popular. <clears throat> before. Right, that's true. That's a fact. <laughs> uh, it, I mean... It, it, it it so before Halo, um, right? It's the game that put them on the radar of uh, Microsoft. Yeah, it's just it is funny as a concept to be like, yeah, Bungie, known for Marathon. Yeah, a Mac game, <laughs> and you're like, Halo, Destiny, something. Yeah, <laughs> no Marathon. Yeah, Halo, never heard of it. Yeah, so Dude, when Halo I mentioned 3. to my dad oh. that I was playing Destiny like three years ago, he was like, wait, Bungie? <laughs> Dude, that's rad. Yeah. He probably played Mist. That's what I'm guessing. I feel like anyone at that time period played Mist. I think... I don't know if Mist was on uh, Mac. Hmm. I used to play a lot of Mist with my dad. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. Mist was a very good game. I have a lot to say about Mist. So, I'm looking at my Audacity now, and yep. um, it looks like my voice is probably super extra quiet this time. That's, well, well so when you speak, right, like, just normally, what are you hitting, like, in terms of the monitoring? Uh, 24, no, between 36 and 24. Well, yeah, no, between, be fine. between 42 and 24. Yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know if I need you to tweak it, but I think it should be fine. Cause, okay, good. Um, the reason why we do it like this is because we want the laughs not to hit the top. 
and the yeah. laughs are massive right um from all of us and you in particular um and so <laughs> <laughs> so no big yeah. deal um i boost it up and i do some noise reduction and stuff but if, if i have problems i'll let you know and and, and no big deal okay Hopefully i can fix it cool. in post yeah I try. yeah there's only so much you can do but so, yeah so should we kick craig out of this jazz and uh, we're not done picking recording? this game yet are we Oh, sorry, no, Apex, Apex Legends. Legends. Sorry, Apex yes, Apex yes, Legends. <laughs> Just like when Adam's like, is that your name, Gabe? <laughs> like, sorry, yeah, no, I... I... <laughs> hey, I've never met the guy in person. It's hard without faces, okay? I get it, man. That's how I feel about this fucking game, dude. I'm like, I I can't see what the graphics are. This is hard. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I know we, we... Right, yes, we did decide on it. Sorry. No, you're good, I, dude. We're 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 basically post shot. Probably cutting all this out. I probably not though. I was, I, I was up late last night playing Final Fantasy V, um, which is silly. Five, not like um, fourteen or something like that. Yeah, so five is the last one that had the or or one of the biggest slash most interesting examples of like the job system. So um, throughout the game, you'll get packets of character classes that you can just swap basically you just go in the menu and say hey guess what you're a red mage now hey guess what you're a ninja now um and as you do battles with each job um your character will learn certain things that can be persistent on other jobs so for instance if you go through a bunch of battles as a white mage you'll get like level three white magic or whatever um and then you say hey you know what we need more physical heavy hitters on this one so you're going to be a knight now um, except your like carryover action gets to be level three white magic, so you can still cast powerful white magics as a knight. Um, so it's about like setting up your characters with these cool combinations of of other character classes. It's kind of neat. That's cool. And that was like that's like some two D game from way back in the day. Yeah, it's ancient. I think I'd rather play Apex Legends this week. <laughs> yeah that wasn't <laughs> yep <laughs> you got me yeah fair enough. all right i'm gonna hit this leave button here all right, all right. i'm gonna hit the stop recording button great choice